0: back to Jaxda's Homestuck, Gay Stuck Edition. This is episode three, and we will be going over all the gay moments in act five, act two, which is also the last act of act five. So as a reminder, what I'm doing here is I'm picking out all the explicit, or kind of subtle, I shouldn't say explicit, but all, all the gay moments that aren't just doing actions that can be interpreted as gay culture, but like actually having conversation with another person and expressing some sort of attraction that can be viewed, uh, or or something that can be viewed as gay attraction. As always, let me know if I missed anything, but, uh, let's get started here with the very, very beginning of act five, act two, we have Carcat going through John's, uh, life history and just watching him from being... I want to say born <laughs> but you you know what i mean like from landing on top of his grandma and um and from there on out so carcat realizes that he hates john so much just so much just deeply hates him and so he he's very excited about this because you know for a while he was starting to think that he was just destined not to have a kismesis because of his constant ragey issues, that, you know, maybe he just couldn't hate someone that much because of just how much hatred he has on a general everyday basis, and then he sees John and everything clicks into place. So uh, Karkat proceeds to talk to John for the first time, you know, from Karkat's perspective, and actually says that their hate... Was faded in the stars, you know, the ones that Carcat created. So basically, Carcat created the person he was destined to hate the most and have the best hate relationship with of all time. John, having talked to Carcat multiple times and having talked to other trolls multiple times, understands what's going on here. And uh, claims to not be a homosexual, so he can't, well, for one, he doesn't hate Carcat, and for two, he's apparently not a homosexual, so he can't, uh, reciprocate Carcat's feelings. Which, I like the distinction, I mean, I know it's a joke of, you know, not a homosexual, like, who even says I'm homosexual anymore, John? I mean, I know this was back in, like, 2009, 2010, I forget when this, uh, actual part came out, but, I mean, did, did people really say it then? Am I just remembering uh eight years ago wrong anyway so the fact that he specifies homosexual uh leads me to think that he doesn't know bisexuality exists which he's 13 I'm not sure I realized it was a thing when I was 13 like maybe but not really having a uh concrete idea of what it was. And for reference, I am bisexual now. Like, I mean, I was then, but I consider myself to be bisexual now. And I didn't really understand what it was when I was 13. So it's entirely possible. John just knows that he likes girls. In, in theory, he's had uh, crushes on celebrities. Or um, actually, at this point in time, he's had his potential crush on Briska. You know, so he's starting to, uh, you know, he realizes that he likes girls. So... Why would he even begin to think that he would like guys? Because he's not gay, and obviously those are the only two choices. So, so we have that. And that's, I mean, that was just one little line that I got all that from, but that's what this podcast is. So, uh, you know, Carcat gets super awkward, and this is how he dooms himself to talk to John backwards, because he does not want to talk to John Uh, He does not want to talk to a John that knows of his failed flirting attempts. So backwards from here on out. Next up, we have Kanaya getting very cute and rambly with Rose. Um, You know, partially because Kanaya just rambles a lot anyway, which is, I think, why I always, like, felt so much connection between me and Kanaya is because we both tend to get kind of rambly um, about things that don't really matter. But so she gets pulled back on track by Rose and gets on the topic of saying hey uh by the way I'm pretty sure I read your game guide which part of me is taking this as can I confessing that I read your game guide is not just like hey I read that thing you wrote by the way I've actually known about you for a while not realizing it was you well I guess you know she did know it was her for a while but you know when she first read it she didn't know who rose was she just read the game guide and now she's had this knowledge for a while and hey by the way also i read your game guide so that, that's one confession but the confession that i think is also happening here is i've kind of idolized you for a very long time because of your game guide before i even uh got into this game i was thinking how great you were so it's like admitting a crush without actually admitting the crush so then that takes us to a flashback of Kanaya realizing that it was Rose who wrote the game guide. Um, and at this point, she's talking to Karkat saying like, hey, so we know that they fucked up our session, but do you think it was on purpose or were they just uh, incompetent? But Karkat says, why does it matter? And uh is like, I, I, you know, it's, it's hard for me to say why it matters because she doesn't want to admit that she's had a crush on this human this whole time, um, whom fucked up their game, uh, from what they understand, and uh, might have done it on purpose in a malicious sort of sense. So and even if they didn't do it on purpose, like still, they were incompetent enough to do that. And this is someone that she's been idolizing this whole time. So it's a lot of complicated feelings for Kanaya. And then, you know, in that that conversation with Karkat, we get an added bonus of how, um, you know, Kanaya is obviously going to be focusing on Rose for this bit. And Karkat's like, yeah, whatever. I don't give a fuck about her I'm going to be focusing on John, which, you know, we know why. So then Kanaya has what she thinks is her first conversation with Rose, which is actually John at Rose's computer. And all of her hopes have been dashed. All of her expectations, you know, she's just been let down because obviously John is a lot different than Rose and talks a lot different. And I wouldn't say John's stupid, but he does not try to he doesn't talk as intelligently as rose does um it, you know in the same manner like they're just they're just different in that way and so can i having read this very uh well written if rambly also game guide only to talk to john who at first is pretending to not or who at first Kanaya thinks is pretending to not be Rose when actually he isn't actually Rose and just this whole big misunderstanding and John's way more into pranking people than having people think he's smart so we have that and with Canaya's hopes all dashed she thinks that's it like you know I, I this has been a huge letdown what am I even doing and then she's frustrated because she's still curious about this person she's had a crush on her this whole time she's Obviously intelligent, unless she just somehow made up that game guide or or took it from someone else, I think was her a suspicion at one time was that Rose actually just copied it from someone else and then sent it off so she continues to follow Rose throughout her time, but you know still talking to her at different points in the time and not going quite as um straightforward or backward as uh, Carcat did, so then we get. You know, Kanaya still complimenting Rose, at least mentally complimenting Rose on her fashion choices and and still like being uh, kind of obsessed with Rose and seeing Rose be intelligent and talking to Rose and and understanding Rose is still that same person she first thought she was when reading the game guide. And that the Rose she talked to the first time was some weird anomaly that um, she then later assumes she created when it was actually, again, John which kind of gets her, you know, more curious and just more obsessed. And then um, we get her watching Rose blow shit up. And she just has this like gay awestruck face, like, well, shit. So then, you know, after kind of viewing how Kanaya came to talk to Rose and how Kanaya came to think about Rose and everything, we go back to the conversation uh, Rose and Kanaya were having about the game guide and uh, Rose is embarrassed that Kanaya read her game guide. She kind of didn't think anyone would. And then now after having written it, she had all this time to look back on it and think about how embarrassing it was. And now someone that she totally has a crush on too, even though we're not saying it, has read this game guide, which that's always embarrassing to have someone read through like your old, your old writings, especially when it was at a point, you didn't really understand what was going on. You only had this sort of idea of what was going on. And uh, so they both kind of uh, flushed about it. And Kanaya gets more rambly saying that the game guide was very useful, gave uh, gave her a lot of insight to the game and a lot of insight to the author, uh, who she had no idea she would eventually meet. So um, and, and they're talking some more. And what I thought was really interesting is how Rose is showing her crush by by being surprised that... Kanaya was a prospect dreamer instead of a durst dreamer and when pressed as to why that would be surprising she claims she doesn't know and maybe she doesn't but i mean to me it's pretty clear that she has this connection with Kanaya, and she's surprised that that connection is not at least in part because they were both durst dreamers and so now she has some time to figure it out that connection is because they're both very very gay and uh, then we go back to, you know, Kanaya's obsession with fashion. You know, she's she's the one troll who cares about fashion and suggests that they, you know, kind of hang out as, as much as they can hang out being in different sessions and everything and make new clothes together. And it's intended as a distraction. Sorry, I have these bleeps in here and I'm going to mute my volume. I didn't even think I'd get some uh, stuff from... Uh my computer, but I'm too lazy to re-say what I was saying and edit that out. So anyway, um so yeah, so uh she wants to Kanai wants to get Rose into fashion and make some new clothes and have fun designing stuff which is kind of a twofold distraction. Like honestly she does want to do that, but it's also because of Rose's upcoming blackout. So one, she wants Rose to have fun and not stress out so much before the blackout. But two she wants to see if maybe she can change the blackout from happening and stop Rose from getting into all this dark shit. So Rose completely recognizes that, um, that, that Kanai is trying to distract her and Kanai basically admits that and Rose says she appreciates Kanai's attempt to pacify her as uh, she scuffles down this black corridor. This immediately raises red flags for Kanaya, who recognizes uh, doing that was one of the big reasons her flushed feelings for Vriska, you know, were never reciprocated and completely changes her mind saying, uh, you know, Rose, do whatever you want, you know, mess with all the black magics if you want. I'm not going to, you know, meddle with this anymore. And she says that she doesn't want to get stuck in that kind of pattern again. Uh, so basically, you know, she was totally recognizing that this is, yeah, again what i said um had led to her being in the wa- wrong quadrants with briska and she doesn't want that to happen with rose this is where like i mean it's completely obvious by this point that can understands she has feelings for rose like it's it's still never explicitly stated up to this point she's not as obvious as Carcat is but there's no other reason that she would want to like avoid getting stuck as being in the pale quadrants than if she had uh, flushed feelings for Rose already at this point. Rose catches this again about the whole pattern, and Kanaya awkwardly sidesteps it, and Rose just lets it drop. So up next it's going to be one of, I-, I believe, a couple instances where it's not strictly a gay moment, but what I kind of call gay foreshadowing, and I think I've mentioned this in previous episodes, but basically, uh, Terezi and Dave are talking, and Terezi compares Dave to Carcat, uh saying they're alike in the fact that they're both complete smartasses, but Dave is just like super chill about everything, while Carcat is, you know, very shouty about everything, which uh, this reminded me of a post I saw on Tumblr that, you know, grabbed a couple of things that a Carcat said, a couple of things that Dave said, and then just changed whether they were capitalized or not. And it became like almost impossible to tell the difference between who was talking because they both speak a lot alike, especially Karkat later on, who gets kind of more shitposty than, you know, angry, I guess. And so I I thought that was very interesting kind of comparison there. And then uh, another one is uh, Karkat showing how much he knows Dave, despite not really talking to him all that much. Because, you know, he talked to John, obviously, and then he talked a lot to Jade, but uh, not really really talked to uh, Dave or Rose that much at this point. But he's able to lure Dave to uh, the memo he wants Dave and John to be in by uh, apparently cyber booby trapping it with shitty clip art. So Dave, like, is obviously uh, attracted to that, and and Carcat knows that that's what's going to hook Dave. The next thing isn't straight-up gay also, but it's just more about John and his kind of understanding of sexuality up to this point, because, uh, like I was kind of saying earlier about his, you know, knowing he's attracted to girls, well, this is where he's confronted with the fact that a girl may or may not like him. And he says that he doesn't think he's ever really liked a girl before in that way. So he's not sure what he's supposed to feel or do. And so, you know, this goes back to the inexperience, which again, they're 13. It's not surprising. So yeah, I I just wanted to bring that up as sort of a, he just knows he's supposed to like girls. He doesn't feel opposed to liking girls. He has crushes on female celebrities. But yeah, when confronted with a girl actually liking him, he kind of freezes and like doesn't know what to do, which, again, a straight 13-year-old boy would probably do the same thing, but we're viewing this under the lens that that Dave is bisexual, or pansexual, or, you know, not mono. Uh, then we have just a little blip where Carquette um, is trying to dissuade uh, John and Dave from spending too much time with Teresi and Friska, and... Of course, Dave has to be all sassy about it and be like, well, but you were just you're just mad because you were rejected by a girl, which Karkat has no reaction to. And then he says, or rejected by a guy, which, of course, Carcat just says, fuck off, uh, a.k.a. you totally hit the nail on the head, which, you know, of course, is just another reference to Karkat being rejected by John. John, who does not know this at this point in time. So we have more uh Equius just just being real uncomfortable to talk to by just you know Karkat's giving him orders and he's like yes give me more orders that is an order to order me around some more and just Karkat being just stop just stop getting off on me giving you orders but um as we know Equius is horny on Maine so that's never going to stop uh, and we kind of have a similar situation with Aridon who pitch flirts with absolutely everyone. But uh, like with Equius, I'm still going to mention it whenever it comes up as gay. So this this time, his current obsession is with Solux, and how Solux is definitely his big rival. And um, I, I don't mention it later on in in like, I don't grab any more screen caps of this, but like uh, that big fight with the Solux later on in Act Five, Act Two you know, is kind of born from this of him trying to find the perfect rival. And that's where he kind of goes off and just starts killing everyone and starts getting everyone else to kill everyone. Or, well, I guess he doesn't really do that, but that kind of triggers like, okay, well, everyone is killing everyone now. So yeah, that was just a, a brief mention here. How Aroden just pitch flirts with literally everyone. Um, and then we have Kanaya being caught ogling Rose, according to Torezi. Though Kanaya at this point in time claims to find Rose just intoxicatingly underwhelming. But obviously we know what's actually going on. So uh, this next piece I find kind of interesting because we kind of ended the Kanaya and Vriska thing kind of on a sad note last time with uh, Kanaya realizing that, you know, she's definitely stuck in the pale quadrants when it comes to Vriska. And finally, giving up after watching Briska kiss uh, Tavris, and so we have Riska bugging Kanaya, being like, "Hey, why aren't you meddling anymore? Why aren't you talking to me anymore? You know that that was really cool. Like we used to do all these things together. You used to talk to me all the time. And I think kind of the implication is now I am definitely getting up to some stuff that people should be meddling in, and you're not doing it like you should be, or like Briska would expect her to be. And Kanaya is just kind of done with it. Like she's done." you know, she was never really interested in a pale quadrant with, with Friska anyway. And the reason I'm just saying pale quadrant instead of specifically like offspice or anything is because I feel like there, there was kind of a leaning towards the more allegiance too, but definitely more, more often the offspice. And that was never her goal with that relationship. And so once she stopped, um, kind of draining herself, trying to get Friska to notice her basically, and like giving everything in to try to help Friska out and try to keep Friska out of trouble you know, she was just done. She just didn't mess with Friska anymore. And I think that's part of getting over your crush is having to like give yourself some distance from them. And uh, that's, that's clearly, clearly what Kanaya is doing now. And uh, Friska is still completely clueless because she knows something is up. But her guess is that Kanaya is jealous because she saw Friska kissing Tavris, which is correct, except she thinks that Kanaya had a crush on Tavris. And I'm going to say Tavros's name differently every time. Sometimes I'm going to be saying Tavros, sometimes Tavros, whatever. Um, anyway, so, you know, Vriska uh, is just really on the ball with this. Next up is just a little blip of Nepeta uh, saying that Jade is her favorite human and how uh, despite uh, Jade kind of rebuffing her because, you know, she's just another troll who's who's talking about future stuff, you know... Nepeta is still going to try to get on Jade's good side because she wants to be friends with Jade and that's very cute and Nepeta is very cute and it's all very cute and uh, speaking of Nepeta I've been kind of considering whether I want to go back and add on uh, Nepeta's shipping charts to this because even though it's not as direct as you know these people talking and you can see some gay subtext or just plain old text you know there's still like hints at gay relationships whether or not those actually end up being canon or if any of us actually see those being a possibility or whatnot i mean they're they're still like same gender relationships that that are at least um you know shipped (laughs) basically uh so i might go back and add that on at a later time even though you know by now we're kind of past all of her shipping charts but you know just something that I, i feel is worth mentioning uh so then there's more Equious, which I feel it's um a little bit different this time because yes, it does start with him talking to Dave, um, just his usual like, Hey, you seem to be the highest blood of the of the four humans, or maybe not the highest blood, maybe your you know, group doesn't go off of blood like the humans don't, but you you seem to be the most royal, the most noble, whatever. Um, And obviously trying to score points there and then getting just uncomfortable and sexual during their wrap off and just normal Equius stuff. But then what I like is how bothered he gets by Dave's show of strength whenever Dave crushes those uh, or slices through those columns in order to get the broken sword. Um, Just seeing, you know, Equius kind of flabbergasted from that and kind of like, Huh. hold on a second. Um, I, I think it's a real interesting. It's, it's a bit, it's a bit above his normal, just I'm creepy and everyone needs to give me orders. I mean, it's kind of in the same vein, but but I still like it. It's just another little uh, kind of gay foreshadowing with uh, Terezi comparing Dave and Karkat again in how they both tend to be very blunt and literal minded, which again, it's just more uh, fuel for the fire. And uh, thinking of Carcat, next, uh, next up we have John talking to Jade about him and how angry and funny he is and how he loves Karkat so much and da-da-da-da-da, you know, Carcat's great. And Jade being like, what are you talking about? I had to talk to two of them at the same time. It was awful. And John, of course, is loving the idea of talking to two Carcats at once because what could possibly be better than one Karkat but two Carcats? which is a very straight thing of John to say. And uh, this is a, a small moment between uh, Rose and Kanaya, in which Rose attempts to joke about her upcom- upcoming blackout, the the grim dark death as as she calls it, and Kanaya making sure is like, hey, I've been trying to like joke around and, and be funny here, but this is not funny to me. This is not a joking matter. Please do not joke about this. I am concerned for you and for what will be coming up. Like I kind of mentioned in the last episode, uh, there hasn't been a whole lot of a uh, real explicit Friska and Terezi content for me to kind of latch on to, which I don't know why I'm so focused. I think I'm I'm kind of so focused on this because like, I just expect there to be because they're a very popular ship. But um, I do have this moment here in which Dave and Terezi are talking again. And, you know, Dave kind of, like, mentions, is like, oh, yeah, you totally have that Kismesis thing going on. Uh, Terezi, of course, denies it and is like, no, 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 that's totally not what this is. But then later when Dave says, like, says that she's totally obsessed with Friska, that's not denied. So, you know, that's that's there. Like, you know, Terezi and Friska are are definitely obsessed with each other, whether we interpret that as a Kismesis thing, especially in this uh, part of the time frame. You know, definitely probably the case. And also in this conversation, there is a mention of uh, Dave apparently being totally obsessed with beating John, who now has cool windy powers and a hood and everything. You know, they're just they're just two people who are totally obsessed uh, with someone of their same gender, but definitely not in a gay way for sure. Up next is just the second recap in which, again, it's a recap, so I've gone over the stuff that's in it already, but I just want to make a mention of... How, yes, uh, Carcat, in case you couldn't tell, was totally in hate with John, uh, for a while at least, and that that's totally in there, that's a canon thing. He he really definitely thought that they were faded in the stars, just in case you didn't know. Um, and then also a mention of Terezi and uh, Friska's rivalry. Then we have. Uh, Kanaya talking to Jade about how uh, Kanaya definitely should have been talking to Jade earlier because she shares so much in common as far as roles with Jade like Jade has a similar role to what Kanaya did in her session and how she just got off track like being too obsessed over Rose basically and kind of lamenting the fact that apparently she's just way too attracted to bad girls to pay attention to what she should probably pay attention to which is fantastic. So, um, up next is a game sequence that doesn't have quite as extended talking as some of the other game sequences did. So, there's just going to be a lot of uh, kind of little blips in a row for the most part. First up is uh, Aradin thinking that he and Karkat have a pack. So, why is Karkat being so shitty? Because aren't they, they great friends? And um, this will come up again a-, a bit later. So, this is kind of like. Starting it off like, uh, yeah, you no, know, Airden's just hurt because he and Karkat are supposed to have a pact and, and, and be fantastic and everything. And then there's a bunch of Karkat worrying about Gamzee, just a couple of different mentions about how, where's Gamzee? You know, Gamzee shouldn't be alone. Like, everything's going to shit because Gamzee isn't here. And uh, just just really concerned about, about Gamzee's whereabouts. Um, we also have Karkat being a a true and gay friend to Solux by not giving a shit about Solux's problems, which doesn't make Solux have to keep talking about his deep feelings for longer than he has to or with more people than he has to. So he can kind of keep that contained and under control. After the game segment, Karkat starts to realize that Gamzee is off the rails, which is completely unbearable to, to, to Karkat. It's, it's the final straw. He says, no, no, no. He says, no, no, no. Uh, please don't tell me you went crazy. I couldn't take it on top of all of this. So it's, it's the last straw. Like Gamzee going crazy, something bad surrounding Gamzee is just the worst thing that could happen, especially on top of everything else. Um, and so then we go back to Airden um, and Karkat, which is Airden in the past, which is why he thinks he has to pact with Karkat because Karkat brings it up here. But really the whole thing is Airden pitch flirts with absolutely everyone, but he hasn't been, you know, doing much uh red solicitation. Pretty much once he struck out with uh Feferi, that that was about it. But here he is with Carcat and, you know, like I've said, they've talked previously about, you know, relationships and stuff, you know, even before entering uh Escrub. And so now so now Carcat realizes that uh while they were in the game Aerodin was totally like actually seriously flirting with him and because you know Aerodin was so lonely and like Karkat lets hang out I'm very very lonely and Karkat pieces it together and is like holy shit you were flirting with me that whole time and he of course rejects Aerodin, who then says you're from the future it doesn't count and then we have Karkat kind of reaching out to everyone he can about the whole Gamzee deal And he takes the time, while trying to get all this chaos under control and make sure everyone's warned about what's going on, he makes the time to reach out to John and let John know that everything's going to shit. Because, you know, by this time, even though he um, doesn't hate John as much as he thought he did, he and John still have this special bond and he wants to make sure John is aware of what's going on, which is very sweet and gay. I feel like soon you guys will get the point and I won't have to say gay every third word, but I just want to make it pretty obvious uh, that this is still what we're talking about. Um, okay, and this this might not actually be a gay moment. Like I, I literally just said that, but this might not actually be a gay moment as much as it is just it's, it's vaguely gay, and that's why it's in here. But I also just think it's really funny. But uh, so Carcat's trying to get Equius to get in touch with Aridin. and Equius' responses is like, "No, I definitely don't want to talk to Aeradin." And Carcat's like, "Why the hell not?" And Equius says that Airden's advances make him uncomfortable, which is hilarious coming from Equius, who is the most uncomfortable troll. Like, he's the most uncomfortable troll to talk to. So the fact that Airden makes him uncomfortable is just hilarious. And part of this could be the pyrodynamic, since he is the second highest blood that you can have. And part of it is it's probably because it's kind of a sea dweller versus a land dweller thing, and uh, Echoes probably has less idea of how to um, deal with that. But also because Aroden <laughs> just pitch flirts with everyone. And then we have a cute little moment between Solux and Karkat, where Karkat's trying to get a hold of Solix, who was talking to someone else. Honestly, I forget. I could look it up, but... Um... <laughs> Anyway, he's talking to someone else, and so while Carcat's trying to bug him, he just gives him a little couple pats on the face. Just pat, pat, pat. Yeah, that's very cute. And then finally, finally, Vriska has some flushed feelings for Kanaya. If only Kanaya knew, all she had to do to have her feelings reciprocated from Vriska was to turn into a rainbow drinker and slice Aridon in half. He just, that's what you gotta do. To get Friska's attention, apparently, or B. John, which I think are like on opposite ends of the spectrum. And speaking of Friska, next up is Dave and Terezi talking, in which uh, Dave totally like uh, again understands that there's a Kamesis thing going on here. You know, Terezi still denies it, and and yeah, they just kind of it, it's more talk about uh, Terezi Terezi being completely obsessed with with Friska, even though if she denies that Kamesis thing. The next instance here, I wasn't 100% sure I would include because it deals with an ancestor. And it's kind of like I'm, I'm putting this in here now, even though I previously did not put in other ancestor gay talk. I don't know. I, I'm mostly including this in because it, it's here as it, it's meant to be a reflection of Briska and Therese's sort of rivalry because we, we go to um, their ancestors rivalry or what could have been a fantastic rivalry if briska or sorry briska's ancestor Mindfang wasn't in a position uh, a position in which she needed to cause um, red glare's death and she laments the fact that they, they could have had you know just a, a great uh, black romance going on but unfortunately things happen and by things happen i mean murder and by murder i mean indirect murder more like mind control because, you know. Then we have a little uh blip of Rose and Dave uh, joking about Dave's underlying gayness, which I believe I brought up in the first episode that that's kind of like a, a, a joke there that they talk about and Dave avoids by not taking it seriously. And I, again, I bring this up because eventually <laughs> Dave, well, partially because that's the whole point of this, but also because Dave does in fact get with Car Cat. So it's not all just like joking around like, oh, you're so gay. There's something there. Even though this something is because Dave apparently has repetitive and uh, disturbing puppet dreams. Which, who can blame him? And this section gets bonus points because it uh, mentions Freudian theory is full of shit. And it's all Gamzee from here. So first we have a blast of the past with Gamzee overtly flirting with Tavris, Who has no idea what to do about it. Like, they just finished a wrap-off uh and uh Gamzee is like uh yeah you should uh you should make your way over to my hive and like hang out and um and then like maybe make out a little so you know not really not really subtle about that <laughs> Tavros of course again having no idea what to do with it because uh, when does Tavros ever have any idea of what to do with people flirting with him or suggesting making out um, this and I had actually forgotten about that, and I was kind of wondering where all the Tavris and Gamzee shippers were coming from. Besides the fact that any fandom will come up with shipping uh, for any two characters that are in it, but I mean, here we are, and then uh, we get to kind of more. I mean, I I, I'm, I included it in here, so I am considering it flirting of a sense, but it's it's present time where Gamzee is off the rails. And he's talking to past Dave, and saying it's like, haha, I like you," you know, totally like, kind of flirty. And it's like, "I would love to add your head to my collection," which is a bit much. And then we end with the fantastic more allegiance between Gamzee and Carcat. The only more allegiance many people remember besides uh, Nepeta's and Equius's, because it's just the most obvious. There, it's like, who's the best morals? It's uh, it's Karkat and Gamzee. So it's very sweet, Carcat paps him until Carcat paps Gamzee until Gamzee calms down and stops being so so murderous and awful. And yeah, and it's very sweet and cute. And that is uh, it's pretty fitting to end our final gay relationship of Act Five, Act Two, or well, I guess just really Act Five. Okay, so I as of this recording, which um, is is. 1218 so it's before even the second episode has come out. I haven't started getting into I believe the second intermission is next so I'm not quite sure what I'm going to get. Um, I should have plenty of time to still get an episode up by the following Wednesday. If not'll I'll keep you guys I'll, I'll give you guys a heads up honestly this is just kind of where I forget kind of what what happens at this point. So we'll see we'll see what goes on and how soon I can get an episode up. But I should, again, obviously, I'm recording this before the second episode is even out. So I have a bit of a buffer here. So in the meantime, let me know what I missed. If there's anything that you think should be included, if you want me to go back and include previous uh, ancestor gay stuff, or any previous, uh, like the Nipetus shipping charts, if you want me to include those. Um, I can definitely add that, either add that on to the next episode or maybe make a little mini episode about the things I've missed. I I don't know. I'm not quite sure how I'm going to format it yet, but um, definitely let me know so I can keep an eye on that. Um, If you guys haven't noticed, because I know I'm posting these to Tumblr as an audio file, and so you guys might not actually go to the link to go to um, Buzzsprout. In my descriptions of all the um, episodes, I include a link to each instance that I mention. So that might be helpful for you, especially since some of these are just straight up images that I'm looking at. And um, I think eventually I will turn this into a YouTube channel. I'm, I'm saying this like having put no real thought into what that would look like, except for the fact that I do have some images here I would like to share. But yeah, so that's that's something if you're ever curious of when did this happen, um, it's it's not quite as detailed as I would like. I might go back and put some more detail into it, but I just kind of have a numerical list of all the instances and then a link to that page. Um, this one's going to be quite a lot worse because the last two had 14 instances I had to link. This one has quite a bit more. Uh, so anyway, thank you for listening. Sorry I'm rambling so much about this. I think there's a way to subscribe and like and everything on Buzzsprout. Again, I'm I'm still getting used to Buzzsprout. It's just free, that's why I'm using it. Subscribe on Tumblr, uh, Jax does Homestuck, and uh, on Twitter, uh, S A Dragon tweets, and yeah, and check me out there. And and yeah, yep. See you next week.